Hello, dear listener. Thank you for downloading, streaming, listening to the Spooky Doings podcast. My name is Rick Gozman. I'm an improv comedian from New York who, if you're listening to this at the day it drops, I'm going to be doing improv tomorrow at the Magnet Theater at 9 p.m. with Spooky Doings. We're not dead yet. I know we usually save the, save the plugs for the end, but fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> you heard the man. He's the guest host this week. We got sexy Mike Stevens from the Everyone is Hot podcast back on the show. We're talking about a movie he loves. Before we jump into that, how you doing today, Mike? Oh, I am doing so well. I love being introduced as sexy Mike Stevens because nobody, no, believe it or not, nobody calls me that. Nobody ever? You know what? Nobody. Well, a long time ago they did. Pre, Pre-pandemic. Pre-pandemic, uh, I think I was famously regarded as sexy Mike Stevens. And then I think the, the light inside of me died. Um, I feel like a like a shriveled uh fairy. Like I'm what happens to Tinkerbell when people don't clap <laughs> for two years. <laughs> that reference is a little lost on me. I apologize. Because when she clap, when you clap for Tinkerbell, she like, I guess I don't know uh, Peter Pan mythos as well as I think I do. There's something about Tinkerbell and like you need to to clap for her and she lights up. Uh, But if she doesn't get applause, then she's like not she's like pissed off. She doesn't shrivel up, but that's just what I imagine would happen in my Peter Pan headcanon. Well, I'm positive you know more than me. Uh, that's I'm, enough. <laughs> I'm positive that somebody uh, loved it in you enough uh, in your adult life to refer to you as sexy Mike Stevens. Just, just because you didn't hear them, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they said it aloud. Maybe they were thinking it. Um, and if <laughs> I'm the only one that does it, that makes me number one in a field of one. And that's how that's how I stay on top. Oh God, my partner, she's really gonna have to step it up. <laughs> we'll tell her to listen to this episode and if she yeah. gets a little jealous and then uh elevates her game you're fucking welcome <laughs> i definitely will oh <laughs> uh, how are you doing oh uh, i am tired as motherfucker i've been working upstate uh at a uh, set dressing shop for some show. I don't even know what the fuck it is. Just moving (laughs) furniture around and like dismantling one storage area and moving it to another storage area, which makes sense because it's closer. But it's in a Pfizer facility in Pearl Ah. River. So there's a part of me that's like, yay, vaccinations. But I also look at this building and I'm like, I don't see any science happening here. It's just where people film stuff. So it's like, where is the medicine? <laughs> it's certainly not amongst these couches that I'm moving. <laughs> but yeah, I, I didn't have to cross a bridge this morning and I'll uh, stop complaining when the check shows up. But speaking nice. of complaints, we're talking about a movie that you love. Yes. I don't share that love, but we're going to talk about it. I want to I want to know I want to want to know the dirt immediately. Um, I don't think I have dirt, but I do love these conversations where you know you can have disagreements respectfully. 
Of course. And 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 that, and that's okay. This doesn't your opinion of the lighthouse, which is the movie we're talking about, uh doesn't make me less of your friend, doesn't make you uh less sexy, doesn't make me what less of or more of whatever I am uh to begin with. Yeah. <laughs> in, in this conversation, we're just gonna have uh a talk. Um, so how how did you come upon uh the lighthouse? Uh wonderful A24 film. I love A24 because as uh, and I realized I asked you a question and then I kept talking, which is dumb. But... All good, all good. I love A24 because <laughs> they do weird shit always. And I love oh, yeah. weird shit. So please tell tell me about uh, your relationship to the lighthouse and perhaps A24 in general. Ooh, I love A24. Um the some hits, uh loved Moonlight. That's one I love a lot. I, I forgot love... that was one of theirs. Yeah, I really enjoyed mid-90s. Um, I mean, I should pull up the the list of A24 films, but I won't. Um, <laughs> I like that they, you know, that there are just really interesting movies uh, that come from under that uh, production company. Uh, you don't really see that happening at a lot of studios. Um, like the curation is not there. Um, if one movie does well, then they will make a uh, bunch of other clones of that same movie uh, with other studios and production companies. Um, we see this every day with DreamWorks and uh, Disney, Marvel Studios, all the big IP shops. Um, but yeah, really exciting original ideas are happening over at A24. I own two pairs of A24 shorts. Um, go to the A24 merch shop. They have really great shit. Um, now, my opinion about The Lighthouse. I, before you get into that, I do agree. A24 is one of the few studios like Pixar and Marvel where you can just say, I'm going to go see the new A24 movie and people exactly. know kind of sort of what you're in for uh, without knowing what movie you're actually going to see. Yeah. We know it's weird. We know uh, Robert Eggers or Ari Aster is involved in the production. Just truly sick, twisted, fucked up motherfuckers who you see their movies and you're like, this person uh, either has a really strong theater background or experienced a lot of trauma as a youth. Um, but yeah, The Lighthouse. Uh, so Lighthouse 2019, directed and written by Robert Eggers, uh, starring Willem Dafoe and Rob Pattinson. I saw it uh, the year it came out, around like pretty close to when it came out. Um, I think I saw it on a date, um, but I loved how it kind of felt like a Sam Beckett play. Um, yeah, I mean, I really love uh, Willem Dafoe's performance in it, Rob Pattinson's performance in it. If I were to summarize the the plot, which, you know, this is probably my third time watching it, and I couldn't tell you, like really what the shit is about, which that's, that is my favorite kind of movie. It's these two guys in New England. It's uh, the 1890s. Uh, 
movie's black and white. It looks kind of like uh, a German expressionist film. Uh, and it's these two guys that are working. Uh, I guess they're sailors. They're sailors. Uh, and they're working and living together. And there's lots of like, uh, I guess, surreal moments. Like, ah, oh, is this guy about to fuck a mermaid? Is the mermaid really there? Is Willem Dafoe the mermaid now? Um, yeah, it's a it's a odd it's a odd little movie. Reminds me of like kind of uh, a David Lynch uh, joint. Uh, I could but, see that. But yeah, um, where I got really into this movie was during the pandemic. Where I oh, I, this is my fourth time watching it <laughs> um, because I watched it twice during the pandemic. And uh, me and Randy McKay, you know, Randy of course, McKay, yes, wonderful of course, uh, improviser famous... and 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 pretty good dude, as I recall. Oh, very very good dude. But uh, during pandemic, we were straight up. Uh, we were Ephraim Winslow and Thomas Wake. I was going to uh, say, were you reenacting uh, scenes from the lighthouse? Either deliberately or not. So, was what were you sharing lobster in the crib? Is what we I'm... absolutely were sharing lobster in the crib. Um, yeah. Uh, now, 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 which one of you was 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 the abusive older one, and which one of you was just the guy trying to do his job? So, this is where it gets really interesting. I would say um, this movie is the ultimate Michael and Randy move. I wish. Uh, you, we got you got to get him on to talk about this movie as well <laughs> um, because like I feel like he is just the guy trying to do his job um and I don't want to say that I'm abusive but I am Willem Dafoe in this dynamic like I am I like he's Batman I'm the fucking Green Goblin um and <laughs> take that as you will um, like, I, yeah, I don't want that for the podcast. I want Triple Crown to reopen so that we can put on an improvised lighthouse. Um, but he, he, I would say, like, I used to cook a lot, but towards the end, I would say he was definitely the cook. So th we're kind of like a yin and yang. Like, I'm mostly Willem Dafoe with a little bit Rob Pattinson. He's mostly Rob Pattinson. With a little bit Willem Dafoe and uh, the, the, the dynamic. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I just find that hilarious, uh, and 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 can picture the both of you uh, talking each other to each other as uh, old timey uh, seafaring white dudes. Why? I don't know. Um, but yeah, you, you got these two lighthouse keepers, you know, the, the Willem Dafoe playing the, the more seasoned one because he's old as fuck. Rob Pattinson, just the guy. And yeah, it does have that black and white, uh, almost Ingmar Bergman. I can see the Lynch comparisons. Uh, and this happens a lot with A24 movies where you're watching it and you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Um, unlike my Robert, favorite feeling. Unlike mm. Egger's previous film, The Witch, I didn't get that from this as yeah. well. Maybe... So I haven't seen The Witch. The you Vivitch. haven't seen The Vivitch? No, I have not. Oh, you should see The Vivitch. 
I mean, I love the Vivich because you have, first of all, Vivich. Um, you have uh, religious connotations. You got a fucking goat. And I've said this on the podcast before. I normally hate kids in movies, but the kids mm. in that movie yeah. were fucking fantastic. Okay. And, and served a purpose. Uh, whereas this movie, you know, you're dealing with isolation. And yeah, watching this before a pandemic, not knowing the kind of isolation we all had in our future, mm-hmm. certainly makes things scarier. So the second time around, I granted the first time I saw it, I was in a theater and the sound system was not great. So I'm like, am I missing shit? Yeah, and then sucks. watching it at home, I'm like, no, it's not really clarifying much of anything. But it does remind me sometimes, luckily not often, but sometimes of set work where the the more uh veteran employee is like you don't know shit about fuck this is not verbatim mm-hmm. <laughs> and, Direct quote. And, and being being like borderline abusive but also it getting fueled by alcohol and things getting weird and tapping into uh I'm gonna say not repressed but certainly covert sexuality it's very it's very sexual Mm -hmm. um it's you know you get the little sexy mermaid doll and then the mermaid and then these guys are thinking about each other dancing with each other and there's also this performance this ostentatious performance um uh almost like I, i feel like all performances of masculinity are a kind of drag performance um and speak on it speak on it please i mean that's that's all i got to say on that i mean (laughs) like i i I work with um so i work in the advertising industry and i see the theater of work and i Mm -hmm. also see the theater of masculinity like it's just it's fucking not real it's not authentic like i know you motherfuckers go home and cry about something like i know you mother like they just uh a performance to to mask the very obvious vulnerability um that is the beating heart of i i think every masculine man um type person um but yeah there's just a lot of that performance i think in the lighthouse where these guys both just need a hug or a kiss probably from each other um and it's the 1890s, so they're terrified. They don't know what to do with these feelings. They're just kind of alone with each other and alone with their thoughts. And I, you know, as a person who uh, has gone through, has experienced the pandemic, like I, I guess you, the listener, you know, think about your feelings uh, during the pandemic, living with one other person, like there is a really interesting thing that happens there's a there's a horror i think like a common everyday horror um to kind of having to deal with yourself um the things you like about yourself the things you don't like about yourself the things you necessarily you haven't necessarily accepted about yourself and then uh there's the voice of the other whoever that may be um like it could be another person um 
like I don't know the whole time watching this movie um there are moments where like I I upon the fourth time I just kind of view the whole thing as like it's a dream I don't know whose dream it is but it's just one of these characters dreams uh and both of these guys are actually the same fucking person like they both have the same first name they're both Thomas and like but as a screenwriter you don't do that for no reason, you know? Like, I don't know. I kind of feel like one is a projection of the other. It's like a weird symbiotic relationship they have. Um, yeah, I'd pair this movie well with... i pair this movie with 2018's Venom. Uh, <laughs> another classic horror. Uh, uh, modern day classic. Uh, there, there's, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, let, let, let's start with, with the characters, uh, and their names, because, uh, but they're lying to each other yes. about what their names are. At first, like, oh, I'm Thomas, I'm Thomas, and then later on, you find out that it's like, oh, that, that's not their real names. They're both full of shit. They're unreliable narrators. But to go with the thing that you said of it's all uh, a dream, um, you know, you somewhat early in the movie, Rob Pattinson is painting the lighthouse, but it's the 1890s. So you don't have like, you know, scissor lifts or boom lifts like I'll sometimes use in my line of work. You basically got a rope that you yep. hang a bucket of paint from and he falls. And then you get to the end of the movie and there he is broken on the rocks by the lighthouse covered in seagull shit. So you can posit the idea that from the moment of that fall till the credits roll, this is a full Jacob's Ladder scenario and yeah. he's dying the entire time. Venom, however, I look at as an abusive <laughs> romantic comedy. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. It makes it more entertaining, if not uh, problematic with that categorization. Oh, for sure. But I think uh, fictional domestic abuse uh, for the purposes of comedy is okay, which is why I could still watch The Honeymooners if I come across uh, a marathon of it. Yeah. And Venom, we got to remember, they're not just two. they're, They're not two people. It's one human guy. And some slime. So, like, I could watch that all day. Uh, in fact, I probably will. Um, those movies are fucking long. Um, <laughs> Venom 1 and Venom 2, Let There Be Carnage. One one human guy and some slime. The title of the Rick Guzman memoir. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, The Lighthouse is also uh, one human guy. Or I guess two human guys and some slime. Because uh, my man... My man Thomas, uh, uh, Pattinson Thomas, Bat Thomas, he's jerking <laughs> off a lot. Um, yes, it's the 1890s. What else are you gonna do? True. On your off hour, I'm like, yeah, sleep. <laughs> I, I remember watching it the first time. I remember thinking, like, damn, like that's pretty impressive, <laughs> like because that's a doll, you know. And he got himself, he got himself to come to a doll. Um, I don't know. I just, I just think that's impressive. 
I just think that's very interesting. Um, would like to know more about that. Well, being a long in the tooth motherfucker that existed before the internet, mm-hmm. uh, when you, you, you and, and even VHS wasn't readily available to mm-hmm. young bloods at the time, right? Uh, uh, didn't grow up with cable, so trying to unscramble channels wasn't you worked with what you had, yeah. And uh, there was a lot of imagination involved. Mm. Now, uh, the myths of mariners uh, fucking manatees or dolphins, and then they had to like you know lie like no no there was a lady on top, and then you have the myth of mermaids. <laughs> like that's what it. That's where mermaids come from. Are you wait what are you saying? You couldn't make that deductive leap. Look, I thought it was just I I thought it was just a fun mythology idea, and the creators the. The writer's room of like global mythology got in the room and they're like, yo, we need like a new thing. And then one guy was like, how about like lady on top, fish on bottom? And they got really beautiful voices and they're really sexy, but you can not have sex with them because uh, they're mermaids. And then the writers of mythology were like, hey, great idea. Let's release that into the zeitgeist. Um, never have I ever, ever thought that human beings with human genitalia were having sex with any old animal because you you know there was no internet so like you can't just google like what is the gender of this like they're just sticking their dicks in in any hole they could find like you Uh don't even know what you can't even like i don't know you can't assume any dolphin you meet is like male or female like their whole experience of gender is totally oh God, I got too many thoughts in my brain right now. I, I think I broke your mind. I just figured some pervy dude was all horned up, fucked a manatee, and then uh, you know, kind of got caught, but it was dark, and he tried to uh, mitigate it towards his friend of like, no, it was a lady on top. I'm not really going to hell. And with enough whiskey, they bought it. Um, that's another that's, thing. That's uh, nuts, about- though. I'm, like, how do you even... If I was a friend and someone told me and I was a dumb piece of shit and I'm just like, oh, okay, you thought I was a lady. You didn't even have a conversation, my guy. You didn't you didn't even get like consent is is key. It's essential to any sexual experience. So I'm supposed to believe you talk to this man. Like, come on now. I agree with your statement fully. I'm saying uh, horned men in the in the 1890s and some may even say the 1990s didn't really take that into consideration looking in your direction Harvey Weinstein um but but that that's a different story different story um the, I, I I do believe primitive people of all genders were like that that uh, that's also how you get like witches going people were fucking in the woods thinking they were gonna blow it with god and you know like not realizing hey you're just horned and that's all right yeah but back to the to the liquor thing and uh this may be one of the things that uh sours the lighthouse on me the way an alcoholic conversation or an alcohol-fueled conversation can turn on a fucking dime where you go from loving a person so much and laughing and having a good time to just having aggressive malevolence and hostility Mm. towards them. Because as a sober person, when I've witnessed that, I'm like, why do you do this? Why do do drinkers (laughs) put themselves 
in that situation where they can be life of the party and then suddenly like outwardly they kind of flatline and and just get that thousand yard stare like are you okay and they're they're gone yeah and then they regret it in the morning so that the, maybe that bothers me as the son of an alcoholic to see that happen uh, oh yeah a little so, too a little too close to home there those scenes are very close to home and after watching them like i'm a big uh 420 weed smoking human being um so that would i'd say like between my pandemic experience and watching the lighthouse i'd say the main difference is that uh most of my uh monologues uh were driven by uh just me being a little little too up in the clouds um but we don't never fuck you up the way alcohol does and uh in this movie the a lot of those conversations like it, it feels like they feel like real uh authentic very close to home moments um and they the like there's also the like work drinking aspect of it um i don't know i work with a lot of people who you know drinking is part of how people have conversations you know thirsty thursdays and wednesdays and shit like that and i'm just like how like thomas and thomas they're colleagues just getting blackout drunk together um and i don't know it's 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 really evident in this movie that like oh damn like alcohol is punishment <laughs> alcohol is straight up uh punishment it's it's awful um and yeah i like i say this as a person who has a drink every once in a while um i probably have like two drinks a week but if i have like three drinks in a day i'm like absolutely nauseous <laughs> <laughs> well the, be, being someone who's prone to refer i don't know of any, and i'm not around it much but i yeah. don't know of anyone that's wanted to like fight somebody after having some reefer it's like okay maybe a sandwich maybe yes. a cuddle <laughs> a sandwich a nap a hug yeah i'm that's good it. what did you think of some of the mariner superstitions like in regarding because because there are many yeah, uh, but like in regarding to the seagulls and things like that, uh, what's your your take on those, please? Oh, um, I loved it. I thought um, I'm not super savvy when it comes to the sea and <laughs> mythology of the sea and the ocean and you know superstitions that sailors have. So I feel like this movie was a really solid uh, introduction. Um, to what the sea represents um or can represent um but no I, I thought it was cool um i thought it was really interesting how the environment sort of was alive um there's a very like kind of haunting quality created by a lot of all of the the sea shit um about um and i uh 
I fucking love uh, the monologue that uh, Willem Dafoe delivers with, uh, it's almost like a, he, he casts a spell. Um, this might be the midpoint of the movie. I'm not sure. Um, but you know, that scene where he's like, uh, heart Triton, heart bellow, beat our father, sea king. And he's just saying all this shit. Um, oh God. As Willem Dafoe will do. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I know your, your co-host Shelly Brooks, as we've had on the show, we'll have her back again. Um, has a thing for Willem Dafoe, but the thing that the the only line from this movie that I quote frequently is just "Say you like me, lobster." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're fun to me, lobster, ain't you? <laughs> say it, say it. But like needing that <laughs> that fragile male ego, needing that reassurance so much in the morning, like you better fucking you better fucking compliment me, or I'm gonna like beat your head in with this fucking brass kettle. You see, me and like that scene definitely have experienced that with Randy. Um, not quite exactly, but um, say you I'll like make... me mac and cheese, you yeah, yeah, bastard. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He'll say something like, "It's not for me." He'll be like super polite and and nice about it. Um, yeah, it's just uh, not for me. Um, it's like say you love it, say you love it. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're in his face. There's spittle in your beard. Oh, there's murder spittle. in your eyes. Uh, you know there's spittle on my beard if uh, someone's talking about my cooking. Um, I actually, shout out to uh, Robert Eggers and, Ma and uh, his brother Max. Max, his name is Max? Yes, Max. Shout out to the, the Eggers brothers for writing such a uh, real scene. Um, I don't know. I'm very sensitive about my cooking. I feel like this is a, a universal theme amongst many human beings. I do not share that sentiment. I know I'm a good cook. If you don't like it, I've had some people like, oh, it's too spicy. And my response is, fine, more for me, you little bitch. Oh, yeah. I mean, too spicy. What is that? That's not, that's not real. It, it can be real, but it's like, all right, you just need to uh, push your boundaries. Um, I'm a big you know, fan of hot sauce. I recently re-upped uh, an order from Hedonist and I finally succumbed because if you ever watch Hot Ones, you ever notice how everyone hates the bomb when they yeah. get to it. So yeah. I finally order that and yeah, it's it's pretty hot. Um, I, oof, I need to learn how to cook with spices because I think I appreciate spicy things, but uh, I made, so I wanted Harissa chicken and I didn't have any Harissa. But I did have a lot of the pieces that make up harissa paste. And, and so I thought, yeah, I'll just make my own harissa. Okay. And so I, who, who is harissa paste? She sounds cute. Harissa paste. Uh, she is a wonderful, uh, I guess, condiment. Um, you can find her in the sauce aisle. Uh, she's great. Um, but I made my own. Uh, when you should, I, I like they have harissa paste. It's a, it's a lot. I feel like it's more work than I have time for to like make it myself. But I was like, you know what? Fuck it. It's, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday. Like, let me fuck around, find out. So I found out I used way more red pepper, like dried red pepper than uh, most recipes. I just like, let me just wing it. I've never made harissa paste before, but I know what generally the spices that I Googled it. 
Um, and then I didn't read any of the actual measurements. And I just improvised it because improv, you know, it's mm. safe everywhere you do it. No, no, I'm, for, for real though, I am ignorant. What the fuck is Arissa Pace? Arissa Pace. All right. Um, so right, he's Googling it. He put it in his mouth and he doesn't know how to describe it. Uh, so it's like, let me, let me look up. All right. Like Carissa. what kind of, what, 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 what kind of food is this localized to like a specific part of the globe or a specific Maghreb. 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 So Carissa. I'm hearing sounds come out of your face and I'm like, I'm just getting more and more confused. Hey, uh, uh, so Harissa, I don't know a lot about it. All I know <laughs> is I went to a, a kava. I had it on my chicken. I was like, Ooh, I like Harissa. And my partner, she really loves Harissa. And so she's like, ooh, I love Harissa. I used to say Harissa. And she's like, that's not how you say it. And I was like, oh, I'll say it the right way. Okay, so um, like, what what kind of restaurant was this obtained at first? So it was like a, it was like a fast casual, um, uh, like, pita place. Okay. So, so it's so, like Mediterranean. Okay, thank you. All right, Middle cool. East, like in that area the the middle part of the eurasian continent. yes yes, li, yes. Li, li, with a little bit of africa on the side oh yeah 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 <laughs> south african not south african north african yeah um like the reason i i'm hesitant to say like the region is because i actually don't know like what mm -hmm. was the first motherfucking region because i know every region influences other places and like you know, you got motherfuckers in Europe who are like, hey, the Italians did pasta. And actually, it's like, no, actually, we were the first to do pasta. And actually, we were the first. I don't know. I don't know. I just Egyptians know I like invented pizza. Yeah. You know, but um, yeah. So Harissa, it's a hot chili pepper paste native to the Maghreb. The main ingredients are roasted red peppers, bakluti peppers, spices and herbs such as garlic paste, caraway seeds, coriander seeds, cumin and olive oil to carry the all oil soluble flavors um so i mean oh and then there's rose harissa made with rose petals found that on wikipedia just now and mm -hmm. so so clearly this is something that the characters in the lighthouse would not be having because as oh, no. as uh as white sailor people they're like oh it would be too spicy that that would kill the motherfuckers um especially the way i made it because i used way too much pepper way too much I've never worked with dry peppers before. And so I was like, oh, I could just throw these motherfuckers in. I can throw as many of these as I like. I can handle it. Next day. Oh, my God. I don't want to go into detail uh, because I still want to be perceived as sexy Michael Stevens. But uh, this is one of the things that you, you kind of. And again, as a hot sauce aficionado, since the first time I had buffalo wings, which was just like uh, with some Frank's Red Hot on it. Now, it's like when. I equate it as when you like start kind of running to then becoming a marathon runner. Mm -hmm. It's not an overnight kind of thing. You'll be okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's good. For, so stuff you start off kind of slow. And as far as cooking goes, I don't think, uh, I mean, for baking, it doesn't count, but I don't think you need a recipe. I don't measure 
shit. This is a cook spooky doings cooking show now. Ooh, yeah. I I like that spinoff. Yeah, you you don't you don't measure anything. You just have the things and you put them as much as you like them, and that's how you know what works. It is like jazz. It is like improv. In fact, I think it's even better when you have music playing in the background and your booty is shaking. Oh, uh, you know, you know, you know, the booty is shaking. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the secret ingredient. Booty I put shaking. on Steely Dan is actually my secret ingredient for everything I make. That's the one thing I didn't mention. Um, this whole time I'm listening to Donald Fagan's The Nightfly. So, um, yeah, I'm a big Dan man. <laughs> I laugh because Steely Dan and Donald Fagan are the, the records I see in the used bin when I'm looking through vinyl and I'm like, I'm never buying that. <laughs> yeah, that, baby. That and the Moody Blues. I don't care if it's $2. I'm not taking that leap. Oh god, wait, where are you where are you seeing these? Because I definitely need these. Uh Mr. Cheapos and Miniola. Free plug. Uh, Miniola. Okay, cool. I was born in Miniola. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, in 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 wrapping up uh the lighthouse with the secrets and lies and deceptions, where do you land on the story? Because I land on it, it's 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 the death throes, it's all nonsense. Uh, of of a guy broken on some rocks who's probably like, I wish I had a fuck one last time before I came to this job that killed me. Mm. So where do I land in terms of like, what is it? What, like, what, what, what is, just what's it all about? What is it all about? Hmm. Couldn't tell you. Um, okay, no. cool. No, no, I like, I feel like each time I've watched it, I had been able to pull something out. Like there's some interesting, like feels like mythology moments. Um, but ultimately, I mean, watching it today, I was like, oh, this is just this motherfucker's dream. Like this is this motherfucker's mind. This is Rob Pattinson's mind. Um, I don't think it's really. And like, I, I'm not, oh God, I wish to God, like, so Shelly's sick today, so she's not here, but she's like my smarter half. <laughs> so um a lot of thing a, a lot of the things that I'm thinking she could she could phrase uh, a lot better, but I don't know. I kind of feel like it's uh one guy's nightmare um and self-fulfilling prophecy, like one man's uh disintegration i mean i i'm going back to the scene i think it's such a critical moment such a big uh scene that monologue that uh willem dafoe gives where he uh curses uh rob pattinson and uh basically basically says like i hope you become nothing you get sw I hope you get fucking swallowed by the sea and become forgotten. It's like I think for a man of that time and a man of any time, that's probably the most horrifying fate. Uh dying alone, uh broken, uh disintegrating by yourself, all of your experiences, everything that makes you you. Um, just being uh, swallowed by, uh, you know, the tides 
of time. Um, now, does the possibility exist that just the lighthouse could be part of an unplanned and somewhat unrelated uh, fuckboy trilogy along with Uncut Gems and The Green Knight? Ooh. <laughs> you know I love... I love a uh, trilogy, love a franchise, love a shared cinematic universe. Um, I haven't thought about that, but I might watch all of them in order. Which which would be the which would be the uh, the recommended order? For I think in trilogy? order of release, it okay. was the Lighthouse and Uncut Gems, and then the Green Knight. But I may be incorrect because I really hated Uncut Gems and uh, I dislike Adam Sandler for making me want to watch one of his movies for once ever. And then I did. And then I was disappointed. (laughs) Have you seen uh, Punch Drunk Love? No. Oh, do you like uh, Paul Thomas Anderson? Sometimes. Okay. Oof. Okay. Maybe we got to talk about that. On val- um, maybe we talk about that one day. <laughs> maybe. maybe. I love Punch Drunk Love. All right, then. You heard it here first. So, Sexy Mike Stevens, where can the people find you if they uh, want to find you? Uh, if you want to find me, you can find me uh, on Instagram at Saint underscore Evans. Uh, you can also find me uh, hosting, co-hosting uh, my podcast, Everyone is Hot. Uh, featuring uh, also co-hosted featuring Jesus. She's like our editor and brain um, Shelly Brooks. Um, she's like the reason we have the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, really fun show. I hope y'all listen to it. You should. It's fun. I've been on it. It's a good time. Yeah. <laughs> and as I said, uh, if you were listening to this the day that it drops tomorrow night, we're going to be at the Magnet Theater at nine o'clock right after Cornfeld and Andrews. I ain't seen Lewis Cornfeld in nearly three years. I'm going to hug the fuck out of that man when I see him. Dang, uh, dang. And, <sighs> so many people I need to see. Right. So you should come to the Magnet Theater tomorrow night and you should watch us do our thing. And, and have a good time because you've been part of the show before. I have and been part of the as, show. It's a fun time. And as a megawatt perform exactly. Uh, when I got you on the show and you, I, you gave me, I felt, the biggest compliment our show can receive. What? From a performer who I admire and respect. You summed it up in three words, which is really what I was going for. It's just fun. And ah. that, and like, that's why I do this shit. <laughs> yeah. It's like if I can get somebody, because you know, you, when you perform, you blow me the fuck away. But you. when you just like, the show is fun. That's all I need. <laughs> That's all it needs to be. Ain't nobody yeah. paying us. We're doing this because we want to. You ain't got to say you love me, lobster. I'm not going to threaten you with violence. You're like, it's just fun. I'm like, then we good. Yeah. So check out Spooky Doings Improv on Facebook for information about that and the podcast. Uh, Spooky Doings on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at Rick Guzman 718. We're doing the thing. Sexy Mike Stevens, go yes. forth. Be uh, sexy. Thank you very much. And and uh, until next time, we'll have you back to talk about some stuff. Uh, you told me that you had something else in the works where you want me to watch Blade 2, which I didn't like, but I'll do that for you. I'll revisit. Uh, please, 
All right. All right. I ooh, all right. We got we got to talk. We got we got to talk separately. Um, uh, we'll, we'll we'll save that for another time. Yeah. And for all our listeners in the meantime and in between time, stay good, stay healthy, stay spooky. <laughs>